to the podcast today. Good to have you here. Before we get to our our Scroogey guest, which will actually be Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. Remember at the Valentine, the Toledo rep is doing A Christmas Carol, and this is we're recording this right now, Thursday, November thirtieth. The shows are this weekend at the Valentine. Paul Cosman, a friend of mine, um, he came to interview. Uh, this is four years or so ago when we were doing the uh, the morning reboot here. Somebody reached out and said, "Hey, can you can you interview Paul?" And I didn't know much about a Christmas Carol. Philip had said, "Yeah, Paul's been doing this role for uh, a long, long time." I was like, "Sure, whatever." I don't even think at the time four years ago um, I had known that Paul, like myself, was Jewish. So years later, when uh, things got back up and running. Um, after the after the pandemic, I asked him the question. I will ask him again today. Uh, what's it like being a Jewish guy doing a Christmas carol? Paul is a great, great conversation, uh, a fantastic performer, and I hope you can make it out this weekend. Before we get to Paul, a couple of things. Um, I will try to to not make this very inside baseball. Um, your Spotify wrapped. Uh, I'm seeing them all. I, you, if you listen to the podcast, you, you know my listening habits. I'm not a Spotify person. I satellite radio. If I had to do my, my wrapped, as I told a friend of mine, I sit in silence most of my day. I do a, a lot more listening to the radio station now, especially since we, we made all these these changes and adjustments. I'm listening to make sure everything is running as is, but I am enjoying all the throwback songs. Uh, I have a very short commute to work. I spend it listening to, uh, on, on, on my satellite, MLB radio. I listen to that a lot, sometimes NBA radio. And the rest of the time in my, in my car, I'm making phone calls. My Spotify, my Spotify air quotes wrapped would be me making calls to my dad, me listening to my dad, having him tell me about my brother, what's happening back home and bowling stories. That would be my, my wrapped and a couple of podcasts that you've heard me mention here before, like in plain, uh, in plain English from Derek Thompson. And, uh, when I, when I, I don't want to be in silence, but I want to listen to something and still be able to concentrate because I concentrate very poorly. There's a classical radio station out of New York City that I listen to, WXQR, QXR. So not not competing with my regular job. And this is the inside baseball part. I haven't seen it this year, but in years past, there are plenty of people who do exactly what I do, exactly this job. Eric's in different cities all over the country, and they post their Spotify wrapped. And I, our industry is always shrinking. As I, you might have seen my post, I work with fewer people each year. In my industry, I have a very firm ceiling in how much money I'm able to make. It's just about basically surviving, and I think I've been a survivor. But the, the Eric's and other cities post everything. Everything that can take someone's attention now is competition. Many years ago, it used to just be other radio stations that played the same songs. Now, it's literally anything. I, I remember Megan telling me many years ago in the morning rush, she she listened to Netflix shows in her car, which she plugged in through the cigarette lighter or something back then. Uh, it's the attention economy. Um, you know what I offer here and, and on the radio where um, I am very aware of of my existence and where my role is and how you can get the songs that that we play 
anywhere, anytime. So that's why I do what I do. I've, you, you've heard me explain that here. Um, and on that Facebook post, other people learn. But Eric's in other parts of the country who do what I do, posting their Spotify wrapped. Let me give you a good example, a good analogy of what that would be. That would be like if I worked at Starbucks, but I posted my favorite items that I get when I go to Dunkin' Donuts. It would be it would be like if I worked at Target, but raved about the items, which I could probably get at Target as well. Raved about my shopping that I do at Walmart. You work, you work in in, in radio, and here you are promoting another platform that gets that has plenty of people's attention and money without you putting it out there anymore. And look, I know. You probably listen to it. That's fine. But you don't have to say or you don't have to post the quiet part out loud. I don't talk about me listening to satellite radio on on my radio show. It's for here where I can really suss out the context of it for you. One more quick thing before we get to Paul. Um, Kristen Cavallari has, I guess, been doing lots of podcasts recently. She was, for a long time, or for a time, married to a uh, former NFL quarterback. He was in the NFL at the time, Jay Cutler. He used to be accused of having very bad, downtrodden, sour body language. Didn't make for a good leader. He always, like, his face always looked like that as well. Um, they're not together anymore, and she's been talking about her dating escapades. Something with a rugby player not long ago, and something on the Let's Get Honest podcast. Kristen, you have an open invite to come here. She uh, talked about her hottest person ever. And I looked at that person, and I was like, wow, how did a whole not rip in the universe from you two doing what you did? Then I thought about my hottest person, and uh, <laughs> there is one. But it's a long distant memory, I think. I think it's a good topic. Uh, if I had the, the friends here on the crew to do the hot, anyway. Um, hot is what this show will be. Uh, I guess it, you can go to, you can go to multiple performances. You can co- come to my, uh, nutcracker, Mother Ginger, Saturday at 1.30. And you can also make it out to see my friend Paul Cosman from the Jewish Federation, but also, Many years, the veteran of playing Scrooge with a Toledo rep and a Christmas carol. Let's talk to Paul. We have officially begun. Oh, okay, good. It's <laughs> nice to see you. Has it really been four years since you were sitting here? Obviously, nothing in 2020. I think we spoke last year. Uh, yeah, I think so. But it's been a while. Yeah, I'm so glad to be to be back. It's so good to see you again. It really is. Good to see you, too. Um Congratulations! Things with uh, with the Toledo Rep pr- production of Christmas Carol are back in the big spot at the Valentine. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your? This is your twenty first year. Yeah, very good. But 20, who's counting? I, <laughs> I'm counting. I read the article very thoroughly this morning. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like was... forty, almost forty consecutive years, to half of which you've been a part of. Many right. with with Deb, the production, our director. The director. I'll ask about her. Yeah. But um, what's the vibe going into this year? Well, it's really exciting, and it's a it's a great cast, and uh, people were so. Um, they're just so stoked about getting back to the Valentine Theater. It's a beautiful theater. Great. You know, I mean, for actors, it's just, it's it's wonderful for audiences. It's beautiful. It's comfortable. But for actors, it's wonderful, too, because it's uh, it's comfortable. There's nice dressing rooms, and there's a lot of space there. And, 
you know, uh, we had been at the back at the rep, which we hadn't been to since the 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years after the pandemic and or during or whenever. But anyway, and that's really it was really cramped. It was nice to be there. It's fun. It's a whole different experience because it's a small audience and you're kind of right on top of people and whatnot. Uh, but but uh, wow, it's so. It's so amazing to be back at, at that beautiful spot. And the set this year is we've moved in the 21st century <laughs> with, uh, you know, with uh, video projections and whatnot, which is kind of fun. Things are moving all the time. The, the, um, I can't say enough about the new music. What's that about? Well, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a traditional Christmas carol. So, you know, you'll be hearing the ones that you know and love. But these are new arrangements of them. And a fellow, Luke Rosen is his name, has done an absolutely beautiful job of doing these specifically for our production. And he created also a lot of underscoring music that's specifically for our production and on the script that we're using. We're actually going back to a script. I've, I've kind of readapted it again, and this time for moving back to the Valentine Theater. So it's got a real new feel to Good. it. And, uh, a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. I think it was either your quote or Deb's uh, in the Blade piece that said, this is like a love letter to Toledo. Yeah. Um, this is. I've been here long enough now where opening day, I've become that person that I used to laugh at 10 years ago because now it's like my reunion from all the people that I've met over the years. Right. And our lives are all scattered out. And then we, you know, opening day for the mud ends, we get together and then we see each other next year. Right. Do you have that with any audience members? Do Oh, absolutely. We have that with the cast members. We have that with crew members. I mean, I walk in there and I see crew members, you know, for, for our local union or crew uh, that are there and haven't seen him sometimes for the entire year. And it's like, hey, you know, it's a, and then the cast as well. There's usually a lot of people who are coming back. Uh, and then there's also new. But also, like you say, audience. We have audience members who have been coming for years and years. And it's sometimes, you know, they, they let us know, you know, that they're there or that they can't make it that year. One of their family members can't make it that year. It's really, it's wonderful. feels like a family. Sure. And it's a big reunion all at, this, at the 1st of December, that first weekend of December every year. It's a nice feeling. Does everybody know that they need to go to the Valentine? Are people going to show up at the rep? <laughs> well, I hope they know that they're supposed to go to the Valentine. Right, good. If they do go to the rep, they'll go, oh, yeah, somebody will direct them on. But, um, but yeah, it's at the Valentine Theater. Over uh, 60 people are, are a part of this. Yes. Um, there are some new people that trickle in each year, right? Absolutely. There's always new people. And uh, that's part of the fun of it, you know, um, because and then they become a part of the extended family as well. And then many of them stay on and they they do years after that. We've had people who who brought their children into it as very little children. Their children have grown up and then they've had children. <laughs> right. <laughs> bring it into it. I hate to admit it, but yeah, I am that old. That you know that I could see that the generations. Actually. So what you're admitting to is the Toledo rep is very guilty of nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> well, only with me. <laughs> only, yeah. What happens? So, so community members, there's a call out, and people can can try out. Um, Absolutely. How how does it work? Like. Obviously, nobody can be Scrooge. Right. I would, well, I would love to be the person that walks in there and, and says to Deb, this year I'm taking Paul's role. It's my <laughs> turn. It's 
like uh, when, a, when a young rookie hotshot comes up and wants to take the veteran's job. Right, right. What yeah. is that like when just people show up and said, I saw the call out. I've always wanted to do something like this. And maybe you've got a story of somebody who did that in like 2002 and – they 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 had they were, they were rookie they were a rookie and now they're a solid part of the cast that you see every year happens all the time yeah can sure. you give me one particular story of somebody like that oh that's that would be really difficult <laughs> for me because well I'll tell you why because I don't want to you know I I, I don't want to leave anybody out and oh man with my memory that would be an easy thing to do but yes um, I will say though that you know there have been people who are in have been uh, in. Um, supporting roles and whatnot, whose actual kids have come in. We have one right now, and his uh, boy, I, I will, okay, so I'll mention one. His boy plays Turkey Boy, does a great job of it, you know, and so uh, there, and interestingly enough, you know, Turkey Boy in the past had been the same fellow for for a few years, so hopefully this Turkey Boy will, will enjoy doing it again, because he's doing a really nice job, but yes, in, in fact, that does happen, and it's kind of touching when you started playing this this role i think in the mid 90s or so um there was another note in the article today uh you needed to make yourself up look make yourself up to look the age of scrooge not so much anymore right <laughs> yeah there's an old line uh in the play the dresser which i did many years ago and it's a, a movie not too long ago and the the, the sir, sir the the old guy the old actor is sitting before the mirror and he's saying i used to paint on the lines. Now I merely follow what is already there. <laughs> and I'm actually becoming the age that Scrooge is. So, yeah, you know, I kind of sit the makeup mirror and go, well, how much older do I need to be? I'm sort of there. Yeah. How, how old is Scrooge? Do we know how old well, he is? Well, I'm 66, okay. so I don't know. I mean, I don't think it ever states it, but I always get the feeling that he's, you know, 70 or greater. I would have thought like 40, and he's just such a jerky He's aged poorly. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think that a lot of places play him older. You know? Makes and sense. there's a reason for that, too, which I think. Um, I could be all wrong. But um, Scrooge is at a point in his life where, you know, you can understand that as a younger person. But to really know it viscerally you got to be there. Yeah. And so that's generally thought of as a person who's toward the end of their life. And so that's why I think we tend to make him older than he necessarily would have to be. But, you know, we I think that it just makes sense to put him there because we can react to it. It seems authentic. You see a young guy in there doing Scrooge and it's like, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. but you see an older man in there doing it and it's just like it rings more true. I, people know the general theme of uh, of Christmas Carol. We've all seen a variety of different ways o over the years on stage, on TV, movies, whatever it might be. Um, what are some overlooked themes that you've come to know over the years other than the general one and maybe some overlooked characters that people might want to pay more attention to. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, certainly the themes of giving and caring for your fellow man are are really important. Um, but, you know, we were just talking about that uh, just right now, that, um, you know, there are things that happen to a person as they get older and they face that point in their life, their destiny, as it were, you know, when they're looking back and they can see themselves encapsulated. And 
And Scrooge is at that point, and that's a very, very important part of his epiphany, his change to being a person that cares about other people and realizing that he's missed so much in his life and that by by excluding other people, by excluding his family. And so now he's going to make a big change and these people are going to be a part of his life. That's important. Some characters that are really good that, you know, we don't always pay attention to are Jake and Nell, who are, you know, this year played by tremendous actors um, who, you know, are the street vendors and whatnot. They have a lot to say. I mean, their their characters have a lot to say um, about, uh, the, you know, the, the Cratchits. We always pay attention to the Cratchits. But, I mean, they, Jake and Nell, like the Cratchits, don't have much, but they're happy to be together and they're happy with what they have. And, and that's an important message, that it isn't the things, it's the people that we're with. That, and that's very important. Is, Go ahead. Is there any um, more maybe societal relevance that you've heard amongst the cast or otherwise where over – and I don't mean this to be political at all. This is a, a very general thing that I'm glad COVID helped us realize. Uh, people reevaluated where they work, how much time they put in, their work-life balance, and their boss – you got a, a jerky boss with Scrooge. Um, <laughs> is, is there any more relevance this year that might open people's eyes going, you know what? I'm just going to walk away from this guy because he's treating me like crap. Because a lot of people have done that in the last year. They've reevaluated what they do with their lives. That's brilliant. I've never thought of that. You know, it's very true. I mean, people have. You know, there's nothing like a, a good pandemic to make you <laughs> think. To make you think. Um, uh, there's something about a plague that really does. It, it makes you think about what's really important in your life. You know, and. Uh, I, I, I mean, I hope. I hope that people come away with that's that's my hope every year. Sure. Is that people come away and realize that um, you know, let's forget about the things that are bothering us. Forget about the things that are causing stress. Forget about that, and at least for a short period of time, sit here in the audience and let the magic of the theater happen and get away from all that. And if they can take home that, if they can be there in that spot and take home that message, like you were just talking about, then we've really done something that's really exciting. I think I've asked you this in years past. Um, how have you adapted? How have you changed your presentation, your portrayal? What have you learned about yourself as an actor over the years playing this role well that's such a good question and you know people always ask me well they hear that i change it or whatever and it's like of course i do i can't help but change it i'm not the same person i was 10 years ago 15 i'm not even the same person i was last year i mean you can't go through life and not be changed that would be i don't know how that would work the world changes and so therefore you change and your perspectives change. And here we have a play, an iconic character who is his, the arc of this play is his life. So there's no way that I can come into that without having been affected by my experience, even within the last year. Sometimes it happens even within the last week. There's something that makes me think, I, I didn't realize that here. Here's here's something that I can emphasize that I didn't know before, that I didn't understand the way that I do now. So it will always change that way. And, you know, that's part of what's so great 
about Dickens. I mean, really, when you think about it, that's why it's a classic, because it's so rich. You can't help but go back to it each time and find more beautiful perspectives, more beautiful insights uh, on your life. It's It makes it wonderful to go see it every year. In all your time doing this, is there us this two different ways you can answer both or just one is there one year that meant more to you whether somebody was in the audience something was going on in your life you just nailed the performance or and also was there a time where where you're like the light went on like after the first couple of years and you're like i got this not that you put it on cruise control but you just felt more comfortable yeah you can say no to both if you want (laughs) (laughs) well there's some certainly some very personal things that happened uh, were my father had passed away and, uh, you know, my parents were very supportive of me and and my work in the theater and they would come see things and, of course, that had a big effect on me um, where it really made more poignant even the connections of family and where Scrooge is talking to his nephew, his only relative. And it made it even more poignant to me when he realizes how important Fred, his nephew, is to him. So there's those things. One of the the, the worst the, the worst one ever was the very first. You know, it was it was uh, I mean it's it, it was it's a big play. It's epic in proportions and it's a lot of work to do it. And even though I was a much younger man, I didn't really realize how much work it was going to be to get through it. I was also replacing a very good friend of mine who I had cast in the role of Scrooge, Jim Roods. And um, he had come to see it that year. And, uh, you know, so I wanted it to be good for him. But, oh, my, it was it was rough going. And so I learned a lot in terms of, you know, not only what the role, the meaning of the character, but I also learned a lot in terms of how I can get through it without killing myself. <laughs> and what were what were some of those ways back then? Well, I mean, whiskey. Whiskey. Whiskey is the, yes. The, <laughs> how did you know? Just lube it up a little bit. Get some of the anxiety away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I just know how to pace myself much better. Uh, talk to me uh, uh, about Deb Calabrese, the, the, the director, and how she is like wrangling 60-some people over how many ever rehearsals. What's it like working with her for her? Okay, so Deb Calabrese was uh, director of the show for uh, – Several years, many years, um, and uh, she had been away from it for a few years. Let's see, I think maybe 2017 or 18 was the last one that she had done, and so she's back now. Deb is brilliant. She's a director choreographer, and she really understands. That's, that's such a wonderful thing to have when you have – there's very few people who can do it. But when you've got both in one person, you've really got something great, especially in this, because the um, she's, she's working with the big crowd scenes, and she – she can wrangle, uh, you know, like you like you say, she's got a, a perfect eye and she's got a lot of experience and she knows how to create beautiful pictures on stage. Um, she's a very talented director and we are so very lucky to have her back. I, I love working with Deb. She's uh, she you know, she. Deb and I have worked together for so many years on this that, you know, she leaves me alone for a lot of it, you know. um, But she – I know that when she comes to me and she says, you know, 
let's let's do this or you need to leave earlier here or this needs to happen in this way or whatever the case may be. I know that this is something I want to listen to and pay attention to because she's just got a great eye. How many hours of rehearsal? How many rehearsals go into all of this? Uh, well, they start um, with uh, music back the end of September, the beginning of October, I think. And then I come into it uh, the end of October and we do, depending, four or five nights, usually four nights a week. Sometimes we do Sundays. Uh, which would make it a five, but that's that's what it is. And so each rehearsal is, you know, the early ones they're they're only about three hours or whatever. So, but it's a lot of hours when you add it all up. You know, what's it like seeing yourself on a billboard every year? <laughs> Frightening. I was coming. <laughs> oh, I nearly wrecked the car this year. Yeah, I was coming for downtown up Monroe Street. And, uh, there you are. Yeah, there, there you are. I, I felt the same when I pulled up to the light at Western <laughs> in the trail next to the Burger King. I'm like. Paul, <laughs> it's Scrooge season. Uh, th- th- this is like the fun question portion of the of the chat. What role would I play in in a Christmas Carol? Oh well, my you can't say Scrooge because that's just like hand and glove. That's too easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready to give it up. Really. <laughs> but, uh, hypothetically when speaking, I move on, yeah. hypothetically well, speaking, you could do Fred the nephew. Absolutely, you okay. could fit into that beautifully. There's a number of roles you could do. Cratchit very well. Okay, yeah, you could do. Uh, you could do Jake. You could do one of the solicitors. There's an, uh, two other roles that are kind of unsung heroes: the solicitors who come in and really set the stage for just how awful Scrooge really is. They come in to collect money because they're, you know, they're looking for gifts at Christmas time, charity and whatnot. And Scrooge really sends them packing. And uh, the guys that we have doing it this year, they're they're terrific at it. They're really wonderful. So, but yeah, I would say I would cast you all over the place in that show. This weekend, uh, and when in this airs in certain ways, it'll have already happened. But this weekend, I was invited to be uh, Mother Ginger for the Salito Met production of Nutcracker. Right. Um, I'm always happy to help my friends in the, in the performing uh, community. I, I, I don't think I'm not going to regret this at all. I have a pretty good idea of what I'm getting into. Any any advice for my first uh, for my debut ballet performance? <laughs> okay, well, Mother Ginger, I did that for the um, the Toledo Ballet Nutcracker for twelve years, and uh, it's the greatest role you'll ever have because there's no lines to memorize, there's no blocking because people push you around, and um, all you have to do, and this is, but you really have to do this, you got to wave your arms really really big, okay, and you know when each of the kids come out. Blow them a kiss. Okay. But don't forget, always blow the audience a kiss on your way out. That's how you get the applause. Got it. Okay. I'll give it my best. Um, Last question, I think, and this has nothing to do with the the current tense, controversial times that we are in. Um, But what is it like as as a Jewish guy being in a Christmas carol? (laughs) I love that. I was just telling our friend, a mutual friend of ours, actually, Hallie, that uh, I, I always love to, to come and talk with you because you always ask questions that I'm not expecting. It's wonderful. And I had mentioned that the uh, that the, the, the last time that I was here, we, you started it off by saying, so, you see the irony about two Jews talking about Christmas Carol? <laughs> the irony is still here. It, it is not lost on me. Uh, well, you have to remember that, you know, the Jewish people um, gave us our some of our best 
Christmas carols, you know, like uh, White Christmas and those. So um, I feel... I feel honored to be able to do this play. I've done it for a number of years. Most actors don't get to do a show but once. I'm getting to do it so far 21 years in a row. I mean, that never happens. It's a great honor to me. Um, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a great privilege. It's a great honor to feel such love from everybody at the rep and the um, uh, the cast and whatnot. It's it's incredible to be in it. And frankly, I think it's a pretty Jewish story, if you want to know the truth. A cranky old guy? <laughs> You're darn right. You're darn right. That's all. Uh, let me make sure. No one's going to know what this word is. It's, it's old Yiddish that we're familiar with that, mm-hmm. that my grandmother and mom would say. <laughs> Just a guy is up there kvetching about his employees in the time of year. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Kvetching. Kvetching I would do be... a lot of kvetching as Scrooge. Complaining and whining. Right. Um, last question. Uh, and this is like super putting you on the spot. Have you thought about the last time you'll do this? What's the timeline? You're just going to keep going? Or are you going to give me the, uh, the, the athlete answer? Uh, it will tell me when I'm done. Yeah, that's the one. That's okay. a good one. I like that one. You really yeah. are the Tom Brady of this darn role. <laughs> I have no plans to, to, at all. The, no plans to particularly to stay. No plans to leave. We'll just play it as it goes and see see where we are. At some point, in, in like another, you know, God willing and all that nonsense, another 20 years when you refuse to give the role up, they're going to have to <laughs> give, give you makeup to make you look younger. <laughs> well, at some point, you know, hopefully they'll say, okay, it's time for a new chapter. You, you, will, <laughs> you will have been in the role so long, they'll say, Paul, at 108 years old, we're going to move you over to the ghost role. We think it's more fitting and you're closer to that. Listen, in the future, uh, you go to back to Scrooge's bedchamber and um, there's a dead body in the bed, okay? That That's is you. what I want to graduate to. I want to graduate to the dead body in the show. That's perfect. We'd have Paul come up here and take a bow, but he's actually dead. We pull him out of ice every year, and he does it. This is his best performance. He's never acted better than this. Something to look forward to. As always, such a great chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.